BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, and welcome back to the Balanced Blonde Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm your host, Jordan Younger. And today is a very special and also a very emotional, probably for many of us, episode to re-listen to. This is a tribute episode to Guru Jagat, who was such a teacher in my life. She was one of the people who introduced me to Kundalini Yoga. And when she came on the podcast in 2018, my mind was blown by her power, by what a force of nature she is, and basically by what a badass she is and was. And people in the spiritual world can get really serious sometimes. They can take the fun and the humor out of being human and out of kind of what this life is all about. So... Guru Jagat reminded me when she came on the show that it is just powerful to be exactly who we are. I remember that she looked at me and said, you look like the girl next door. I thought that you were going to be the girl next door. You're blonde. Your podcast is called The Balanced Blonde. You're a blogger, but you are fucking powerful. You're fucking cosmic. You're from the stars. And I can't remember if that was on recording or if that was before we recorded that day. And it's something that really, really stuck with me regardless. And I wish that I would have taken Guru Jagat up on a lot of the things that we talked about. Hindsight is 2020. And I wish I had done a teacher training with her. I wish I had gone to Mallorca with her the way she invited me to after this episode. And unfortunately, I got really sick with Lyme for several years and was kind of out of the game after this with Kundalini and yoga and even leaving my house. And that's a regret that I have now because on August 1st this year, Guru Jagat passed away at the age of 41. And it came as a shock to all of us who knew her, to all of us who were her students, who learned from her, who were inspired by her. And it took an entire day for it to soak in to me that she was gone. And by the end of the day, when I found out on August 2nd, I was heartbroken, doesn't even begin to cut it. I felt like, I don't know, I felt like a sister had passed. 
And it was, it was interesting to me because I had not seen her in a while and I hadn't talked to her in a while, but I felt so close to her and having her gone reignited that closeness, that feeling and that connection. And I immediately started to get these bone chilling, full body chills and started communicating with her which I will probably talk about soon, but it just doesn't feel appropriate yet as this is just, this is just a tribute to what a wonderful teacher she was. She lived her truth. She was changing the world and she'll continue to change the world. Her book was called Invincible. And I think a lot of us viewed her as invincible. That's what my friend Britt said. Britt is the one who introduced me to Guru Jagat. And I think it's true. That really resonated with me. A lot of us saw her as invincible and it's heartbreaking. It's completely heartbreaking. So my intention with this episode is to honor her legacy and to honor her incredible teachings, her personality, the way that she infused humor and storytelling and just being a modern a modern woman of the modern age with this ancient technology of kundalini yoga. She started the Rama Institute. She wrote the book Invincible. She was a very accomplished teacher and person, internationally renowned. And I'm sure we talk about it in the episode. I'm going to be emotional listening to this episode. And I'm sure anyone who felt a connection to her is going to feel emotional listening to this as well, but it just did not feel right to find out about her passing and not re-release this very special episode that we recorded in my old apartment. I'm going to be listening to it along with the rest of you guys. I'm going to save it to listen to on the day that it comes out so that we can all honor her legacy and honor what a beautiful person she was inside and out. I also just want to add that we're sending so much love. Let's send so much love as a collective of TBB Soul on Fire listeners to her family and her friends and all of her students at Rama and her fellow teachers. So I just want to make that super clear. We're sending so much love. Re-releasing this episode is not about getting any clout or anything for sharing an episode with her. It's about honoring her legacy. And I also think everyone should go watch her TikTok which was Guru Jagat Official. That was her TikTok. She had some amazing videos, powerful videos, funny videos. She has this epic video that I shared on my Instagram story where she said something that was very telling with a lot of foresight, I want to say, a lot of foresight. So in the video, she says, everyone on earth is going to die. No one is going to remember you. So fuck it. And then she goes into the video, goes into this fun song by Vance Joy. And it's just really joyful and really good. But I will say, I beg to differ. Everyone, everyone is going to remember Guru Jagat. And I think that that goes for all of us here on earth. And she made a really, really impactful legacy that we will continue to celebrate and to share her teachings far and wide. And she brought Kundalini so far. So we're going to keep doing that. And it's crazy because just just the day before she passed, I had my 120th day ceremony with Tage, who is um, one of Guru Jagat's teachers and friends. 
and Tage is, she's wonderful. Tage is older and um, she led my 120th day ceremony. And when it ended, I felt this radiating strong connection to all things Kundalini and Guru Jagat. And I was thinking, I made a mental note, reach out to Guru Jagat and tell her that I'm finally going to take her up on the teacher training. I don't care that I'm pregnant. I'm going to be having my baby in December. I got to do this. Like I'm not putting it off any longer. And then this happened and it was just, the timing is very wild. And one of you also pointed out that she passed on August 1st, 8-1. And this original episode was episode 81. So we just love to notice these synchronicities, these numbers. I don't know what they mean. I'm definitely not saying that I, as a person, have anything to do with with her or her legacy or anything at all. I just think these numbers are so interesting. The patterns and synchronicities are definitely worth taking note of. So we are sending Guru Jagat's community so much love with this episode. I also pulled from my Starseed tarot deck before this recording of this intro, which I feel was guided by her. And I pulled the cards, trust the timing, water your garden, forge don't follow, which is all about paving a new path and being the leader that you wish you had. And then the final one is the void, which is all about embracing the winter. It's the great cosmic womb. It's so beautiful. So I just had to say that because she guided me to pull those cards from realms beyond. And I have so, so many total chills and we are just sending her so much love and our hearts are broken. And I'm excited to listen to this episode myself and get back into her energy. So before we dive into the episode, I would love to thank our sponsor for today's show, BASE. BASE is easy at home lab testing that helps you make the best decisions about your health by giving you tangible improvements from your body's data. So let's talk about that. BASE is the new company making lab testing affordable, convenient, and actionable for everyone. They're completely changing how people get to the root cause of persistent health issues and stay on top of their body's data. I tried it and I have learned so much. I recently got my results and I did the panels for cortisol and stress and libido, which tests the thyroid as well as cortisol, a few other things. And what I found was that my cortisol is normal. Hooray for the first time in my adult life. I don't know if it's pregnancy or if it's just working on my health for so long and all the supplements that I take, but I'm really happy about that. And then I also had a pretty normal thyroid. So it will tell you on the base app, which range you're in for everything that you test. So I was in like the 90% range, which is really good for some of my thyroid hormones. But then my T3 hormone was all the way down at 40%. That makes sense to me because I've always kind of struggled with thyroid issues after Lyme and I'm tired a lot. I have a lot of stress. I can have a lot of anxiety. I mean, like very tired. I'm also pregnant, but you know, I think it's also the T3. So we are working on that. I just had my consultation with someone from base and we are going to work on the thyroid and then we're going to retest, do some other testing to test my melatonin, to look into sleep 
etc. So BASE lets you choose from five key areas that affect your quality of life, stress, energy, sex drive, diet, and sleep. Like I said, I did the stress panel. That's the one that I wanted to improve. So if you have trouble with stress, if you feel like you have a lot of anxiety, you can do that one. If you're struggling with your diet or your sleep, I would recommend checking into that one. And it's so easy. BASE sent a box directly to my house with the kit to take a blood and a saliva test. It was super easy to use, took literally no time. There's no waiting room, no doctor, no commute. I sent it off and a couple weeks later, I got results delivered back to the app on my phone. And I should say there is a doctor going over it, but you don't have to go into the doctor's office. It is awesome. So I have a very special deal with you guys. If you want to try base for yourself, you can save 20% off your first month of membership with the code blonde. Membership starts at $59.95 per month or $59.95 quarterly, depending on how frequently you want to test and optimize. Visit get-base.com forward slash blonde to learn more or enter the code blonde at checkout to save 20% off. You can also find that link in the show notes, tag me on Instagram if you try and feel free to ask me any questions. Now let's get into this episode with the beautiful Guru Jagat. I'm sitting here with Guru Jagat and I am so happy that I know how to pronounce your name. I know, because small victories. (laughs) Right? I've been such a fan ever since I read your book and took your class. And ever since I went down the rabbit hole of Kundalini Yoga, which everybody listening knows that they kind of heard the whole evolution of, I feel like I should try it. It's calling out to me. I hear it to then starting to take classes, yeah. having these crazy out of body experiences. And then just the clarity to make decisions. Yeah, That's been so helpful for me. So you're here with us today. You're the founder of Rama, which is here in LA, in New York, which I also, I don't even think you know this, stumbled into a couple weeks ago, oh, like so randomly. Really? I was just, I was like, strolling around the East Village looking for Chill House, which is right across the street. From Rama, that's right. Yeah, and then I saw, I'm like, wait, Rama, I didn't even know this was open in New York yet, but clearly it is. So I went in, bought a bunch of crystals. Oh, you're so sweet. Everybody in there was so nice. There was just like some, a guy at the front desk and then a girl who was Skyping with like you, I think. Yeah, probably. Um, But it was, yeah, it was so beautiful. So Mm. you're also the author of Invincible Living, which I devoured. And you do so much. You have a whole team. You have a Rama in Mallorca and you have your beautiful Mallorcan team here too. So how did you find this path? How did you get into all this? Well, first of all, thank you. You know, I I love to hear because I think that you're very kind of interstellar in a certain way. And I think it's cool to hear, even though you're also like the girl next door, but you have like this kind of interstellar thing. And I think it's cool to hear how the the Kundalini Yoga affects everyone. I'm always very curious and how like 
you know, you can be looking for meditation or you can be looking for a little bit because actually, as you found out, Kundalini yoga is actually a really good workout. Um, You (laughs) can be looking for a workout. You can be looking for um, just a way to kind of calm your mind or, you know, sleep better, all the kind of modern maladies. And then it really, there's so many points of entry. And so I love to hear, I love to hear everyone's point of entry and what it does for them because I'm kind of a mad scientist, you know? Um, And I'm always experimenting. We call Ram... The, the, the big name of Rama is Rama Institute for Applied Yogic Science and Technology. And I'm really, I really am like a mad scientist. That's kind of my, so I'm always trying, you know, ex- very excited and interested in how, what happens when people try to, you know, kind of train their minds and their bodies in a different way, which is what, really what Kundalini does. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that it's applied science, applied yogic science. Yes, That yes. is so fascinating to me. And it's one of those things I had heard about Kundalini long before I ever tried it. Yeah. And now I see why. Yeah. So tell us about that and tell us how you got into it. Because okay. I, yeah. I think, yeah, That's we brushed good. right over that. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you how I got into it and then bridge into that part of it. But um, I was into Ashanga yoga, the type of vinyasa yoga. And um, it was back in the early 2000s. Um, and everybody was doing yoga. And especially I was kind of in the, a scene like uh, like a, a spiritual scene. I was looking for something. I knew that I didn't want to just kind of get a job and make some money and do all the things that you were told you were supposed to do and watch some television and die. I mean, like mm-hmm. I knew that that wasn't going to be my life. So I was, I was searching for something and I was in a spiritual community and everybody was doing Ashtanga. And I was like very begrudgingly, I was like, really, you have to get up at five o'clock in the morning and, you know, and it's, it's so annoying and everybody was so kind of self-righteous about it. <laughs> and I was very begrudgingly and started to do some yoga. Um, I much preferred fitness myself. You know, I love dancing and running and doing other things, uh, working out, doing some good weightlifting. I box. Like I used to train with these amazing, like Brooklyn, old school Brooklyn boxers. So cool. You know, I was into that. Like I like, I'm a very physical person. So I started the Ashanga and I, I, I'm a dedicated person. So I started doing it every morning. I was like, all right, you know, I want to become a yogi. That's like something I I, want to, I know, I want to know what that is. And so started practicing every morning at 5 a.m. And in traditional Ashtanga, it's a silent practice. So it was very deep and con- contemplative and meditative. And I'm not particularly, my body type is not particularly the Ashtanga bo- body type, which is, you know, first of all, it was it was created for like 16-year-old Indian boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like a six foot tall Amazon woman. Um, <laughs> and so I was having some rough like physical things with it, just like tearing my shoulder cuff and just having some injury because I was practicing so diligently. A little did I know that uh, once I got into Kundalini, we practice, uh, they do six days a week at 5 a.m. ish, 6 a.m. ish. And now I, of course, got into Kundalini and we do seven days a week at 4 a.m. Right. Um, I thought it was so hardcore, you know? Yeah, so uh, much more intense yeah, like, now. But, but yeah, it's, it, we upped the game. You really um, did. But then I went into post 9-11 in New York. Everyone was super freaked out. And I remember I had met this girl who was like kind of a mystery. Like she wore a turban and there was a vibe. And I was like, she was like, come to my yoga class. I knew it wasn't 
what I had known of yoga. So I went and within 20, 25 seconds, I had like a major kind of mystical experience, kind of what 25 you were, seconds? I mean, big time quickly, like the whole kind of lotus of the crown chakra whoa. opened and like the heavens parted and the angels were singing. And I was like, whoa, this hasn't happened to me yet in my my two yeah. hour kind of my store practice. And so I was very, I mean, I was hooked right. Like I knew I had found something I've been looking for. And I think anybody who is kind of hunting for fulfillment, which really like is part of your generation and part of the generations coming behind you is like a soul group that is not going to just be kind of satisfied with the status quo, which is what's so beautiful about your whole kind of soul group and your peers. And I think, you know, you're hunting for something, you know, you want it to be bigger than what, you know, kind of you saw your parents or your grandparents do. And I think, you know, for me, that was one of those pivotal moments of, whoa, this is, I was looking for this. And that that's how you know you're kind of in your destiny path. Absolutely. I mean, within the first 25 seconds. Yeah, it was real. Because I feel, to me, that means the practice was calling to you and you finally made it there. Yeah. Do you resonate with that? Because... Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, lifetimes, I, I've, I've been practicing for lifetimes now that I'm, you know, 17 years down the road, I've realized in this lifetime, the kind of experiences I've had are memories of times when I've, there was, there hasn't been a time I haven't practiced these types of yogic uh, technologies throughout lifetimes. Wow. That's so amazing. So are you able to see past lifetimes of yours when you go deep into these Kriyas and meditations and things that you do? I mean, I think that that, that's something I talk about a lot. I mean, because I love talking about esoterics, but I do think that, you know, on a very pragmatic level, when you start to just clear your mind of some of the insecurities and clutter and just the habits that we get into of focusing on the wrong things and um, about ourselves and about our lives and how that makes us unhappy, when we start to train ourselves to focus on the, the right things and, and go in the momentum of the of right action, I do feel like it gives you clarity in your mind so that some of the more intuitive aspects that are inherent to all humans come to be more kind of the order of the day. So I I feel that we're all psychic. I know we are all, all right. are. And that when you talk about the opening of the third eye or some of the more esoteric ways to describe that, I feel it's actually very pragmatic that when you clean up the clutter of the subconscious mind, what's going to fill is your own power, your own intuitive power. And just in the sci- on the science kind of tip or the yogic science, the neocortex of the brain is the evolutionary brain and it's this frontal lobe of the brain. And the yogis have known this for 7,000 years that when you stimulate the frontal centers of the brain, something opens up in you that gives you kind of more empathy, more compassion, more intuitiveness, or what we would call kind of psychic vision. Um, So yes, I do, of course, have those experiences, but I think people focused on their past lives in a way that's kind of it doesn't seem like it's actually benefiting their current life. It's like most people can't even deal with their current life. Yeah. So, <laughs> so who cares true. about what you were in the past life? Exactly. You know what I, mean? yeah. I agree. Yeah. I was pretty interested at first when I was diving into the past life stuff. I still am, but I was. I wanted to know everything. Yeah. Who was I? Where did I live? What planet was I from? Did I look the way I look now at all? Yeah. And then eventually it was like, okay, all of that exists because we're here now. And to focus on this life is 
has I've found that to serve me the best is although it's exciting to dive into all the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool that you go about it in the scientific way, because not only is that so approachable to so many people, but it's also what Kundalini yoga is. So when it comes to the brain, the nervous system, that's something I'm so interested in is that when you first got into the practice, is that something that you started discovering pretty quickly or learned over time? Well, I think that I was always curious about kind of how the body worked, but it certainly has my kind of uh, depth of knowledge as a yogic scientist has happened through kind of experiential learning and then backing that up. You know, I'm a scholar. Any free time I have, I study. I'm always looking, you know, looking at research and it's just kind of a passion of mine. And I don't think everybody... The kid, you know, not everybody relates to um, it that way, but for me, I do. And so I just, and I think it's an exciting time in the research that's happening in the Western scientific kind of realms to compare it to what we've known in yogic science and the kind of practitioners and the, and the experiments and the, you know, all these practitioners have done for thousands of years. And even the Egyptians, the eye of Horus, like that's the description of the third eye, the pituitary gland, the pineal gland. And the Egyptians were very into, you know, kind of cultivating all of that. And then even when they entombed their, their, you know, priests and priestesses, there was the, the whole technology about the endocrine system. So yeah, I'm kind of a geek about it all. And, um, but that's backed up with experience because I do think what has happened is that we're no longer in an age of knowledge, which is that means that, you know, people can know a lot of things, but those things anybody can know, you can right now Google, and I recommend that you do, um, the endocrine system or the pineal gland or some of the, you know, if you're interested in the Egyptian stuff, you can right now Google that on your smartphone, on your computer, whatever you're listening to this, and you can find a million people who know way more than I know about that. Um, However, the experience, this is what Yogi Bhajan, the master of Kundalini Yoga talked about in this age is this is the age of experience. So those who actually have the experience that can back up the knowledge, they become the leaders and the people who are kind of leading this new age because experience is something that can't be taken from you. It's something that is a transformative force. And so I think that's that's part of... So yes, I've had a lot of experience to teach me like, whoa, that's my central nervous system. That's the... my whoa, the, the neurons just changed in my brain. Like, you know, when you're learning something new, like I always try to learn something new every year. So um, right now I'm, I'm studying deeply hula dancing and like all the traditions so of fun. like sacred dance in that, in the Polynesian and Tahitian. Um, like a year before I did a lot of hip hop. And, but you know, when you're doing something new, you can feel your brain... You can feel it like viscerally your brain is changing and that that's the feeling of the the neocortex and the central cortex of the brain and the firing of the neurons and the synapses I mean it's a tangible feeling so I think it's cool to also like kind of root that in a real kind of okay this is actually this is the biology of my emotions this is the biochemistry I can actually command that through my breath and through certain mental focuses and that's kind of the whole yogic science game right yeah that's 
so cool. Yeah. I also think it's so cool that you're learning hula dancing. It's amazing. And I love, I mean, I'm always so fascinated by people who are known for this one specific thing. You're yeah. such the kundalini guru and here you are doing all this other stuff. And that's what fascinates me is who people are. And it seems like something you love is learning, learning yes. new things. Yes. So you're always going to be trying totally different things that are so separate from Kundalini yet also probably have similarities with like linking the breath with the movement. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I really, um, you know, I, I do so much work with women. We just came off of this crazy women's retreat. We're it all like buzzing, so cool. um, called Camp Grace. And, and my teacher, Yogi Bhajan was also very committed for his whole time he, on earth. He really committed his life to teaching, particularly once he moved to America, the Western woman, right. how to be in this new time. And he predicted what's happening, what's happened in the past year, two, three, you know, it's just a whole new time for women on the planet. So really a big focus of my work is the women's work. And my whole message to women is that, first of all, women hold the vibration of the future because we create, whether we choose to create a, a human child or not, it, that's, you know, we, we have the capacity. And so women, a modern woman really has to have the capacity of a very kind of you know, priestess, what, what it truly means to be kind of this wide open channel. And that requires, I feel, a very full spectrum of practice. And um, so, yeah, I think, you know, the movement of, of learning how to move energy in your body as a woman, I mean, it's one of our greatest powers and it's not age specific and it's not, you know, you don't have to always be 25 to be able to create like a really deep, powerful vitality and energy in your body. And I think that's an important thing too, because, you know, time will turn us all down. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's definitely part of my teaching of like how to be like a really well-rounded uh, woman. So yeah, I try to practice what I preach. So I always, I'm always learning new things and yeah. the hula, I mean, it is so sacred and so deep and so, and, and the men, I mean, if you want to like, you want to look at something hot, Google like men's hula dancing. It's like the hottest thing you've ever seen. It's I need to unbelievable. check it out. I mean, That's these so men cool. are such warriors, like from the Polynesian right. traditions. It's, you know, it's, it's some hot, it's some soft porn. Ooh, I'm going to look into <laughs> yeah, that. You, you have fun with that. For sure. I was just in Maui and I did a Polynesian fusion workout for the first time in my life, which was like a lot of pushing and pulling of the bamboo sticks oh, and all wow. the other rain sticks that they brought. And it's cool. all using your body it's to a good workout. We were all so sore. It was unreal. Yeah. Like crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. dripping sweat in the sun and they infuse so much culture into it. And cool. yeah, it That's was really so awesome. fun. Yeah. Really Next fun. time you're in Maui, I have to send you to my Kumu. She's amazing. <gasps> Please do. I'll be there in June. Okay. I go a lot. Send, it's uh, like my second home. You totally have to meet her. We'll, we'll connect oh, you guys. She's amazing. I would love that. I only learned recently about all of the spirituality on Maui. I've been going my whole life, but my family 
had no idea. Yeah, you guys are like in Waikiki. Yeah, like, seriously. Yeah. yeah, we're like chilling in Waialea yeah. on the beach. Right, right. And then I learned about Lumeria and all the mm. awesome stuff. Yeah, that's where we just had, we had a, a relationship. Me and my boyfriend, John Wineland, had a relationship course at Lumeria um, this <gasps> year. It was amazing. Next I guess it was time last I'm year. coming, that is, wait, that's your boyfriend? John Wineland. Oh, yeah. I heard him on Luke Story's podcast. Yes. yes. That's amazing. Yes. I didn't know. Yes. Look at you two. Yeah. That's such a power duo in so Thanks. many ways. I know. He's a he's a he's a hunk. Yeah. That's yeah. that's awesome. Oh, I love that. Love is so special. It is. It do you feel like being in love has increased the power within everything that you do even more? Well, I feel that being in love is misunderstood in our culture and that's why we have so many relationship issues because yeah. You know, so it is a big topic. I think relationship is something that is, I think, on everybody's mind and hearts because it is one of the most fulfilling things, but it it's also the greatest yoga. And um, John and I do a lot of work together. We do a lot of teaching together. And um, I feel it's one of the greatest spiritual journeys. If you really want to, if you really, I, I always say like part of the work of being a relationship is really making their emotional experience more important than your own at times. And if you do that, I mean, that's that that's what they call in Buddhism being a bodhisattva is anytime you can put someone in front of your own kind of emotional needs and freakouts and blame and projections and um, in the thick of a relationship, that's like, that's the true spiritual work. So I really try to, I, I try to walk the talk and um, it's a good walk with with him. And But I've always been, I'm really into the yoga relationship. I had a beautiful uh, first marriage as well. That was great, great teaching. Oh, me. wow. Yeah. yeah. You must have learned so much from that whole experience. So much. It's, it's, you know, I don't think everyone is, I don't think everyone, especially in this day and age, like there was just that time cover. I don't know if you saw a lot of Time Magazine where it's a woman with her ring finger up trying to do it with her ring finger oh, up yeah. and it's, yeah. and it's um, empty and oh, there's a hummingbird <gasps> and it says like, I can't remember what the title is, but it's talking about basically single women being like the single most powerful force on the planet mm-hmm. right now. I think that it's beautiful that women can also have sovereignty in a different way and that maybe it's not a relationship isn't just the fo- only focus, but in my experience, a good relay between people who are mature and love and respect each other, you know, everything else, you can have everything. And that is like really one of the treasures, both with yourself and with someone that you love. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, next time you do a relationship retreat. We'll get you there, girl. We are I saw there. your hunk of a boyfriend. Yes, Ooh, yes. Yeah. How long have you been with him? We've been together for a little over a year. Congratulations. We were, thank you. We were best friends for three years before we started dating. So it's always this thing where we feel like we've been together for so long. But I also know that before we were together, I was in and out of all these other much less healthy relationships and then completely single, which was so powerful. It is powerful. That's when I started this podcast. That's when I started really getting on the path to 
everything, every health that I have in my body now. Mm, I mean, so I, I definitely recognize the power of that. Mm-hmm. And when people ask me, how do I find my twin flame or this amazing love that you found, this spiritual person? I always just say, first, love yourself and really do it because yeah. you can talk about loving yourself yes, you all can. day long. Yeah. But when I dropped everything else and just wasn't looking and got so clear, that's when my best friend, Jonathan, all of a sudden seemed like the most appealing person in the whole world to me Mm. and vice versa. That's beautiful. Yeah. How long have you and John been together? Six years. Six years. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. We're actually past six years now. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe I had no idea. Well, we usually not stop public, people to I the know. point of knowing. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we have a lot of YouTube stuff out there, but also like, I don't, you know, we're not, we're not like, uh, we're not like constantly right. posting pictures of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We, I always saw your image as very like, I don't know. I just thought that you were just single and like, I don't know if I got that from your book. Maybe it's just because you do so much. Yeah. That's you and yeah. your businesses. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. So interesting to he's me. My, he's like my greatest business advisor. He's helped me so much with business. He's a wonderful businessman and just like so, so smart and such a grounding force. So yeah. So good to have that. Yeah. So cool. So let's talk about Yogi Bhajan being your teacher yeah. because... Getting into Kundalini, learning about it. Obviously, that was the first name that I saw. He brought Kundalini to the West and he was your teacher. You actually, he gave you your name and you were in his presence for the last couple years of his life, if I understand correctly. So tell us what that was like. Well, I was young and, you know, dumb basically. So I didn't even, I knew on some level that I had to go to the ashram and be in the aura and be in his presence. But I didn't really understand until much later what the treasure of that was. And honestly, a lot of people talk about him being, you know, him coming to them in dreams or while they're meditating or this kind of thing. And he said often, especially at the end of his life, that when he got more transparent, he actually could do more work because the physical body was less limiting, you know, it was less limiting to him. So he was very excited to graduate out of his physical body um, and tried to, this was his last incarnation on earth in that way. And so he, he definitely was, he was excited to get out of his body to do more of the kind of etheric work. And, and a lot of the great teachers of our time in this last part of what is called the age of Pisces, the Piscean age, have decided that they're not going to reincarnate, uh, including the Dalai Lama, you know, a couple years ago made the announcement. He's had 14 reincarnations. This is the 14th Dalai Lama. And he made the announcement that he's not going to reincarnate. I've had several of my kind of root gurus, we'll call them, have decided not to reincarnate, including another uh, Rinpoche that passed in 2000, right at the end of 2015 at 16. And he told his students, do not look for me. I'm not reincarnating. So it's kind of interesting. And I, I have a theory and my living teacher, Hadi Jeevan and I are, we ta- we've talked about like, basically we're in an age where you can Google, like anybody right now can go and YouTube and watch Yogi Bhajan speak. You can watch Krishnamurti. You can watch Amma. You can watch, you know, all of these great spiritual teachers and things are changing on the planet now. And the whole kind of that whole 
way of being and the need for it is changing. And so I really look at kind of my work on the planet is more of as an artist, as a creator. I think that part of the, what I try to kind of transmit through my own life is that if you are creative and you create on a daily basis as a spiritual practice, this is going to give you kind of the fruits of the creative powers, which are really why we're here. Um, Not the destructive powers, not the self-destructive, which is is a path well trodden, but that we're really here to create and and create love and create ingenious. And, you know, Stephen Hawkins just died this last night or yesterday afternoon. Uh, you know, that kind of genius. If he wouldn't have gone through his challenges and done what he did anyways, uh, we would never have the great kind of legacy he left behind. So I think that's kind of the way that I see um, how to be a leader or a teacher now in this age. It, it's changed. And Yogi Bhajan was kind of the last of that era as well as um, His Holiness and some of these other teachers. Um, and so that's just a theory. I don't know if I'm right. But and so he was a great, it was a great treasure to just be in his his aura for a little bit of those last years. And it's also, you know, I feel that I'm very lucky to have a relationship with my living teacher, Hari Jivan, because I think in any sector, like take it out of spirituality, people talk about mentorship or or having a teacher or having a guide of some sort. It's really the most powerful relationship for your progress. And I think anybody you ask who's really successful will tell you, I had a really good mentor or guide or teacher. or And I feel that that's really the key to my success as I both was able to spend that last little bit with Yogi Bhajan. And then I also have an incredible teacher who is living. And yeah. I'm very lucky. Yeah. That's so lucky to have both. I really feel lucky. Yeah. So, well, that's amazing. All right, guys, just a brief interruption from this conversation with today's guest to talk about cured nutrition. You guys know I'm so dedicated to cured nutrition. They're the only CBD brand that I work with, the only CBD brand that I use. And that is because I am obsessed with everything that they represent from their founder to the adaptogens and functional mushrooms that they use in their products to their integrity and the purity and honestly, just how well the products work. So they have everything from CBD to nootropics, which you know I'm obsessed with. Um, You can shop by performance, balance, recover, and you can also shop pet CBD and topical. Right now, I'm all about the topical CBD because I'm pregnant, so I'm only using topical. And I am addicted to the pain salve. It has shea butter in it. It has peppermint. It smells so good. I roll it all over this pregnant body that is in a lot of pain, a lot of joint pain. I think a lot of you guys know that by now, and it helps so much. When I'm not pregnant, I am all about cured rise and zen, which you take rise in the morning. It's full of adaptogens and then zen at night to help you sleep. It encourages cognitive enhancement, promotes stress resilient, and provides stimulant-free energy without the jitters. That's for rise. And then zen is basically for the best night's sleep you ever had. It encourages relaxation, combats stress, promotes deep sleep and REM sleep cycles, and you will wake up refreshed and non-drowsy. They have so many other products too. If you just want a CBD tincture or a mint CBD tincture, my longtime favorite, you can shop those. 
You can shop by bundles. They have another product called Aura, which is for gut health. It's incredible. They have a sleep bundle, if that's what you're struggling with. And you can use the code BLONDE, B-L-O-N-D-E, at any time to get 10% off all Cured Nutrition products. So go to curednutrition.com, use that code BLONDE, B-L-O-N-D-E, and tag me on Instagram when you try their products. Now let's get back into this episode. The Piscean age that you're talking about, now we're in the Aquarian age. Tell us what that means. I'm sure so many people listening don't know. And yeah, what is it? What are some concepts? Yeah, well, it's an astrological phenomenon. You know, there's basically a wobble of the earth. And there, because of that wobble, it creates this, when the, when the earth is turning, it creates this the way the axis points towards a constellation in the the galaxy. And that's kind of the way that you determine these big spans of time called the age of Pisces, age of Aquarius, before that, the age of Aries. How long do they last? They last about 2000 and change years. So you think like for the age of Pisces, BC to AD was the change into the age of Pisces. And now just like many of the prophecies of many different lineages, including most notably probably the the Mayan prophecy, but also this astrological prophecy. Now we've moved since uh, basically the axis of the earth pointed at the galactic center of the Milky Way galaxy on the 21st of December, 2012, which is the the Mm. Mayan prophecy, the end of the Mayan calendar and many of the other kind of prophecies. Um, Even you see some of that prophecy in kind of the uh, last chapter of the Bible or, you know, just different types of, of prophecy around the change of age. And in that change of age, We went from an age of the people who had the power were the people who knew the most. And part of the cusp time of the change of age was the advent of the internet. So from basically 1991 to 2012 was this kind of cusp period. And we're still really just a scratch into the age of Aquarius, but that was the cusp period and that was the advent of the internet. So all of a sudden, those who had the knowledge or the know-how in this age of Pisces, it was like if somebody knew how to do something, you travel for days to find out, or if they knew something about it, you travel, this was the age, the, you know, and then all of a sudden the internet came. And so you would say before Christ, after Christ, well, before the internet, after the internet. Right. And so um, now it's no longer, anybody can get all of the knowledge and Yogi Bhajan talked about this and people made fun of him. I mean, they he thought he was ridiculous. They, they didn't think it would actually happen. No, he said in the seventies, we're going to have a phone. We're going to have a handheld device that with one touch of a button, you're going to have all knowledge available at your fingertip. And everybody was what? like, oh yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, they could <laughs> yeah. not, they couldn't comprehend it. Of course. So the internet kind of basically uh, midwifed in this new age of this, the change change of power, which is what we're seeing right now. We're seeing this very kind of shaky, the structures that were upheld by this age of Pisces, which are, these are the types of people and the the um, way that people hold power. Well, that's all shifting now and we're watching it before our very eyes. So now it's, you know, anybody can work in a different way and create something. I mean, your whole 
the millennial generation is the generation has really brought in the the kind of new constructs of the Aquarian age where it's like, no, we actually can work in co-working spaces. We can work from home. We can travel around, around the world. We can, I mean, there's just been a whole different and every aspect of society has to be reworked to be resonant with this new time on the planet. And so we're seeing that now and including the, you know, the rights of women, women's health, women's, you know, the pay discrepancy is still in 2018, the whole movements, you know, the movements that are happening in the women's space. And then also for men, I mean, you know, how did their functionary duties change? And it's not just gender specific, it's politics, it's economics, the rise of cryptocurrency, the, I mean, everything is changing. And so that's, you're really seeing it before your very eyes, this age of Aquarius. And now each age comes with its issues. And the age of Aquarius, this technological age is coming with the issues of the pressures of technology and the pressures of what that does to the human psyche and the way people, you know, just like spend, this didn't happen before. But now, whereas people used to compete against each other, like in terms of like how big their house was next door, now, you know, people are on social media comparing and competing and and all that kind of, and the depletion of what that, that, that you know, the kind of false falsehoods of the technology and the, I mean, I have a little theory about virtual reality, um, which I just came up with this weekend, which is that part of the good part of people just being like in like strange virtual reality experiences for hours on end is maybe they will consume less plastic and resources on the planet because people are getting their rocks off in virtual reality, which does take electricity, but it doesn't you know, so I don't That's know. I have so a little true. theory about it. I was really because these virtual reality kids who have like this arcade moved in under John. In no the, way! Oh, it's been a nightmare. We're, oh, I feel like we're, oh we're both like we're so old, and we feel like like these like like you are like annoying teenagers who just moved in under under because right. people like you know the kids will come and do the virtual reality and just screaming for hours on end. It's awful. That is um, nuts. It's nuts. But but I've been thinking about it. I'm like, well, how is this technology? Because all of it is the all everything that's created is is a part of the creative power, you know. So right. I've been thinking about how is this going to help humanity instead of like be the downfall. Anyways, it's something I think about. You know, this is what keeps me up at night. <laughs> yeah, it's so fascinating. Yeah. I haven't thought about that at all because well, I don't know that many people who are into virtual reality, but I know it's a big it's thing, huge especially for a lot of the younger gamer mm-hmm. type of people mm-hmm. um that's really interesting to think that they're living in this virtual reality so maybe they won't be contributing to the waste here in the same way i that's wouldn't have my, thought about it that way theory. i literally just had this this weekend like in i meditation. love it yeah oh my god yeah i would love to just hear all the theories that pop into your brain while you meditate it's, i mean when i took your class it's been like a month and a half ago now. So many little things that you've said that were like, oh, this is my theory that popped into my head yesterday and this and that is just amazing. And it goes to show, like you said, everybody has that access, which is so incredible. So first of all, I'm getting chills to it. At so many different things you're saying about many of your teachers choosing not to reincarnate, which brings me to the question... Do you know how many lives you have reincarnated? Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of the types that do stuff like that tell me some things about it, but I don't, I mean, I I certainly feel like 
I've been around for a while. Yeah. You know, because there's there are people who come to the earth who a lot of the new, you know, well, you're so you're you're pretty, you're all you're pretty out yeah, there. I think I'm yeah, definitely you're, you're, you, you know, this might be your first time there. on earth. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. So there's a lot of, and a lot of the like a lot of the younger soul generations are like the crystal children and the and the rainbow children in some of these terms that maybe you've heard or some of definitely. your listeners and the indigos and all this kind of stuff, which is more my generation. But you know, a lot are kind of interstellar soul types that are coming from places that are more kind of foreign to earth and are seeding a new way of kind of living that they've come, you know, from their particular planetary kind of matrixes and, and galaxy kind of their, their star seeds. So I think that um, there's a lot of that going on right now. I do feel I've spent a lot of time on this planet because I'm uh, in some way like I'm a shepherd of this planet in some way. Like I do feel connected to this kind of planetary matrix for whatever reason, but I don't know how many lifetimes exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. I know. I was curious because yeah. you said like the Dalai Lama 14 times. I'm like, is this something we can no, all figure out? No, 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 no. totally. But, but the Tibetans, they're the great high beings, the Rinpoches, they, they are you know, they're very, they have a very uh, specific kind of system of reincarnation um, that is a part of their lineage. Mm, That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I know Jonathan, my boyfriend always says he has to teach me how to be a human because there's so many things that I'm just like, don't do. And he's such a human. And I feel like I'm definitely from the stars. Yes. yes. So just simple things like paying attention while you're driving. Right. Put it, putting something back in the same place that it that it's supposed to be in They're here. So, it's so bothersome this particular Earth kind I of know. These, these things we have to do. It's, it, it really is. It it's is. like it I is. have to put so much concentration yeah. into those simple, basic human things. But every day, his his phrase is, "You're not from here." Yeah, I'll teach you. Yeah, it's, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, he's really sweet. That's sweet. He's the sweetest. Aww. So, how do you, being a teacher and teaching all of the time, protect your energy? Because I'm just so interested by this. You give so much, so much of yourself in so many different places, and then you still have all this energy and vitality. How do you do that? Well, I do feel that the Kundalini, when you're really moving chi or Kundalini energy through your system, it's a self-regenerative kind of, all of us have a self-regenerative system. And I, and, um, I was actually talking about this morning, this, this morning in class that I think a lot of times we get confused that like if we're going to take a reishi mushroom or if we're going to take some sort of probiotic or if we're going to eat a certain way, we've basically externalized our vitality when actually the system is organized and intelligent to create and maintain the most incredible vitality. They actually did a study at Stanford that showed that the human body is actually meant to live for a thousand years. But because of the way we misappropriate and misunderstand our chi and our, our, our energy source, we aren't able to basically do that. Now, there's many, many stories of yogis and masters and, and 
great kind of beings that have lived for well over 150, 200, 300 years all over China, Tibet, India. I mean, that's kind of a normal thing that you have a great master that lives, you know, quite long. And that I think all has to do with the ability to move energy and then resource from that energy. And I think that's the one of the greatest benefits from the Kundalini rising or the Kundalini practice and the technology of the Kundalini yoga is that you'll start to kind of self-generate in every way. So you self-generate your own kind of appreciation of yourself, which is like another way of terming your practice. Like your practice is a a self-acknowledgement. So you start to generate more of that self kind of acknowledgement and you start to resource more of your innate human capacity, which is huge. We're just not, we don't know how to access it. Um, Yogi Bhajan says between God and human, there's a door and that door is called Kundalini. So that that's the, the infinite resource starts to open up in you. And so I would just say, like, I think that a lot of people talk about, oh, you know, I really need to protect myself or I need self-care, you know, somebody's like vampiring off of me or, you know, there's a lot of these kind of new age terms. And I, I do my best to really start to redefine that because I do feel that if you are kind of in a practice that you know how to command your own energy field, aura, whatever you want to call it, and you know how to kind of batten down the hatches when you need to, um, which I do all the time. travel all the time. And I don't need to be like bright, brilliant, you know, shining throughout the airport, guru jagat. When I travel, I like to like pull the whole thing way down because I don't need extra attention. I don't want to deal with any, you know, and people innately who have big lives, I think know, or at least they start to learn how to do that where, you know, you kind of like you put, we live in LA. So it's like you put your sunglasses on, you put your hat, whatever. There's there's ways that you can kind of, and that's being a yogi is knowing like when to be really big and when to like kind of shrink it down and be, you know, more kind of contained so that you don't, you know, you don't, and literally it's a physical thing, the aura. So it can be really big, which means you're going to be bumping into everybody or you bring it down and you have a little bit more tight and you can kind of maneuver a little. So it's good to have that. Um, But I think the idea of like, oh, I have to protect myself from some external thing is part of this leftover hangover of the age of Pisces, which is somehow we believe that our power is externalized and that's not the, if you're vibrating a certain vibration, nothing that is not of that vibration can even get near you unless you have somehow let in some of that you know, subconsciously or consciously. And that's, that's when, yeah, I mean, it's not a blame game, but then you can kind of get like, oh, I'm somehow I'm kind of leaking out my energy. That's what you really need to protect yourself yeah. from. I mean, that's what mantra means. Mantra is basically a code of self-protection, which is not self-protection from other people. It's protecting yourself from you, your right. neurosis, your mind, your freakouts, your emotional, commotional kind of misappropriations of energy, like mantra protects you from you, which is what Yogi Bhajan used to say. Like there is no great, we, you don't have to have an enemy because there's no greater enemy than you towards you. You know, the way we treat ourselves, the way we talk to ourselves, the way we, so yeah, I think that's the, and that's what the mantra, that's where the mantric science comes in, where Mm. sound becomes a buffer 
And it also comes a buffer in the external world. You know, definitely some of the mantras are very protective in the external world, but then it's also a buffer from the internal neurosis and habits and that kind of thing. Yeah, that all makes so much sense. I'm definitely an energy leaker. I think it just leaks out of me whenever I'm around people. And then I feel like I take on so much other negative energy while I'm out and about. And then I get exhausted. So people with this like limitless vitality are so interesting to me. We got to get you some mantras busting up in here, girl. We we, we need to get you like some mantra box. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll work it out. We'll help you out. Because you start to play them. Them. You don't even have to, you don't even have to know them or chant them. You just play, you know, put it over in this corner and play the thing, and it starts to become. It creates a more vibrational kind of cocoon, so that you and that, then it infuses into your aura, it infuses into your physical space everywhere. You know, when my boyfriend comes over, I have like eighteen, like like old, like is like chanting on all of my, and he's like, "Can you turn that down a little bit?" Oh my god, I love that. Yeah, you need it. Yeah. Well, I just got a Sonos sound system. Oh, it's we, like everywhere, so I need got, to just we got blast. You. We got to blast it. Some yeah. mantras. Yeah, yeah. And, and my um, Huddy Jeevan has a band Grammy award winning band White Sun Grammy um, award. Winning. Yeah, they, the, they won the New Age Grammy last year and we're going to win it again this year because um, yes. they have a new album coming out, White Sun 3, and his oh Gong album's coming out on April 27th. It's a, it's available for pre-order, but you could play that Gong around here. It's that amazing. Would be awesome. It helps you sleep. It gives you like, it like totally replenishes the parasympathetic nervous system. It's great for anxiety. So we got to get you downloaded I need that. all of that. Oh, that's so it's awesome. Amazing. It's like white noise. So so even if you don't like mantra, you can play that gong. And if like, say your boyfriend's like, who, what's that playing? You know, right. he you likes can, that okay, stuff cool. even more then than you I have do. A good boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> but for the rest of you listening, you can play the gong totally. and you can just slip them the Mickey. They don't even know. And it just sounds like white noise. That's so cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that's such a good tip yes. for everyone looking to preserve, protect their energy or not protect their energy. Since I, that you said that's not a big term that you like, but yeah, yeah. to, but keep the vitality in yeah, your aura. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yogi Bhajan called it the golden shield. That your aura, mm. if you know how to use it, becomes a shield of negativity. And, you know, and again, you from your own and then also from the external, which as within is without. So of course, if you're in a negative spin, you know how that thing happens where it's like you're pissed off and then everything breaks that day. Of course. You, you know, I mean, it's just yeah. the way it goes. Yeah, so, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay, so we'll go into the rapid fire questions okay. that I ask everyone. Awesome. They don't have to be that fast, but they're okay. just the okay. questions that I ask everyone who comes on. So what are your spiritual practices outside of Kundalini? Outside of Kundalini, well, I'm really into sacred dance. Um, so any sort of sacred dance, which I think all dance is sacred, but I, I come to it as a sacred, in a sacred way. I walk five miles a day. That's mm. like one of my new things. It's changing my life. So good. I'm a big walker and not like power walker, but like walk to smell and feel and will listen to podcasts and educate yeah. yourself and, you know, or be with friends. And, you know, in Los Angeles, I realized last year I was like, would look at my, my pedometer and it would be like, you walked, you know, 85 steps today. And I was like, what? Totally. I mean, like it's I barely freaky. got out. I mean, how is that possible? So I, I really made a commitment in December, 10,000 steps a day and it's changed my life. So that's one of my big like 
practices. Um, I love, I'm a huge classical Pilates fan, like huge. Mm. I love Joseph Pilates. I think he was a master in such a like incredible mind. And um, so I love some Pilates. Yeah, Pilates but that's, is so you know, good. It's not particularly spiritual, but I'll tell you, he was very spiritual. I didn't know that. And he, I mean, he came up with a system that basically in a hospital bed, he took the springs out of the mattress and put them on the side of the hospital bed and rigged up what was the first reformer. And I mean, he was a genius. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Pilates has been calling my name lately. I am really into it as just like, a. it's so rejuvenative and it's very mental. So it it is like a meditation. It's when it's practice classically, it's like a moving meditation. I mean, it really is. So, but you know, and then I have all of the meditations I have to do every day. So it's, it's a lot. I can't, a lot I, of you stuff, know, it's yeah. a lot. I and chant teach, a lot. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Lots of stuff happening in your day. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And you do the cold showers thing. Cold showers, hardcore. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I started doing that. Well, Job. I read about it in your book. Yeah. And then when I took your class, you probably, I don't think I talked to you about this, but I talked to... Hudman Jones. Exactly. Yes. Told her all about, I had eczema all over my body, yeah. like really bad wow. when I was in your class, yes. but also that whole period of time. Yeah. And she said cold showers. Yes. So of course I came home, started doing the cold showers. Has it helped? It has helped so much. I am so happy to hear that. Yeah. Good job, Jordan. I mean, I had to do so much stuff to get rid of the eczema yeah. and the hives, yeah. but yeah. it at least felt really, really good mm. versus I'm such like a hot shower, hot bath person. Yeah, yeah. But the cold showers did a lot. It's powerful and it's so anti-aging and yeah. so good for your immune system. And we're just in Idlewild, which is way colder, way right. higher elevation. I heard from those, Britt and Tara. They yeah, said those it was cold freezing. showers. Yeah. That, was, that was real. That was real. Yeah, yeah. seriously. So what is your dream vacation? Hmm. I really want to go on safari in Africa. Oh, that it's sounds like so my cool. Big, my favorite uh, movie when I was five years old was Out of Africa. My mom was like, like totally like weirded out that a five-year-old watched a three-hour movie right. um, and then continued to watch it throughout my life. But so of course I have this whole Meryl Streep, like Jodhpur, like really good equestrian, Ralph Lauren outfits in, right. you know, <laughs> in Africa because I, I had a farm in Africa. Yes. <laughs> it's a whole thing you know oh my gosh yeah. I love it I yeah. think those safaris seem so cool oh my god too. I'm so into it and I wanted to I would do want to take a big group as well and just Ooh, get down yeah, especially come. with with uh what's happening you know in Africa it, it's important to stimulate the economy any way we can and the right yeah. ways yeah. yeah so true um favorite crystal if you have one mm, my god what is it? This is the most difficult question you've asked. Um, I know. <laughs> let's see. My favorite crystal. Well, I love apophyllite because it's so um, celestial. And so I, I have a lot of apophyllite around and especially the Indian apophyllite. There's something about it that like, and any crystals from Mount Kaleshwar and Tibet are like my like soul. I'm so glad this is all on recording so I can go get some. Uh, we have some in Rama. We're going to have we're going to have a huge um crystal trunk show on Spring Equinox if you're around. Oh so yeah, you come. I'll be yeah. there. Wait, when is the Spring Equinox? It's Tuesday. Oh, um, uh, March 20th. March 20th. This year. Yeah. Okay, so it's yeah, coming up. Yeah, we're having up. a big class and stuff. We'll, oh, we'll, yeah, we'll I'll totally come. come. Yeah. So cool. Well, we know who a lot of your mentors and teachers are, but do you have others that you haven't mentioned? Well, obviously the first teacher is always your mother. 
You know, the mother is the first teacher. My mother is just an incredible woman. She was like the first dance movement therapist to like her class was the first dance movement therapy class in um, America. Wow. And she, you know, before anybody knew anything about somatic psychology and body-centered psychology and just the body-mind in general, she was really a, an incredible pioneer. And also, fun fact about my great teacher of my mother, she had a healing clowning side gig where she used clowning, not in like the weird horror film way, but like in the way of like therapeutic clowning. She used and she had a whole clown persona named Madame Fufu. And she would go and do therapeutic clowning with special needs children. And it was like, like, that's like, like I have these images of my mom doing that. Just like such a beautiful, compassionate woman. So I was very, very lucky to, and am lucky to have a mother like her. She sounds amazing. She's amazing. I've never even heard of someone doing that before, but it sounds so therapeutic and it was probably Humor. so fun for yeah. the kids. Yeah. yeah. And then she had me like um, get my little like, you know, alter ego, which of course I don't remember the name of mine, but I remember hers, Madame Fufu. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. She sounds amazing. If you weren't doing this for a living, what do you think you would be doing? I think I'd be a chef. Really? Yeah, so I'm, a, like I'm, a, I'm a major like hobby hobby chef, and I so and, and for a period of time um, in my 20s, I did chef for people as a part of their yoga and and other healing regiments. But yeah, I love cooking and and I love the love of the hearth. You know, creating love through food, tan- tangible love. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to make? I'm really into making Mediterranean food. Like I'll do, I love doing like a beautiful kind of coarse Greek, but like mama, like grandma Greek food, you know, like really delicious, like braised greens and all sorts of, you know, I'm vegetarian, but if I'm cooking for somebody else, like, you know, you do the fried eggs and the greens and the, and the spanakopitas and the, all the like herbs, they do a lot of greens actually in true Greek food. Uh, cooking. There's a lot of like greens. Um, so I'm into that part of it. And then also just all the other deliciousness. And we have that studio in Mallorca. So like I'm into the Mediterranean food. Yeah, that yeah. sounds so good. Yeah. Love good Mediterranean food. And then our final question, if you were a color, what color do you feel best represents your energy? Platinum gold. Really? Yeah. Why platinum gold? It's, you know, when I meditate that, that like, it's a gold that's almost completely transparent. So I guess the best way I could put it is, is platinum, but that's the, that's the color that really like, I always see when I close my eyes, but it's like a transparent gold. I'm like closing my eyes now to see what I see. (laughs) That's beautiful. I was excited. I was so excited to see what you were going to say to that question (laughs) because it could have very easily been white given the Kundalini white garb, everything. But I see that. Yeah. 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 So awesome. So tell everyone where they can find you. 
Yes, I'm at Guru Jagat on Instagram and it's G-U-R-U-J-A-G-A-T. And then um, same thing for my website, gurujagat.com. And then you can kind of find the whole world of Rama and all of our adventures. We're going to Tibet in October and um, we're on Mallorca. We're having the first annual Rama festival. Maybe you can come and do something. Yes. It would be so great to have oh you, um, which is in August, 17th or 19th in August. And then oh we're going to be in Singapore if you have um, your listeners out in Asia. We do. Awesome. We're going to be in Singapore at Capella Singapore, August 10th through the 12th for actually a big women's event. And um, amazing. Some cool, some cool stuff there. So love to uh, see um, all of your great fans yeah, out in the world. all the Soul on Fire tribe. I just saw someone this morning saying in our Facebook group, who lives in Hong Kong? Because I'm moving there and I don't awesome. know anybody. And some other girls were like, oh, we're close by. Good. It's amazing. It is. How the world is the getting community. smaller. I yeah. know. I know. I love it. Well, thank you for being here. Thank this was you. so fun. I know. So, so fun to learn get, from you. Get a moment with you. I know. Bless you for the work you're doing. And thank keep you. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I am so honored to have this recording with Guru Jagat, with someone who I look up to so much, especially now that she has passed into another realm. I had to do this tribute episode because I wanted to hear her voice again. And I know a lot of us have so much to learn from her still. So let's commit to spreading love and light in the world, sharing the message of Kundalini yoga that speaks to you. If you've been thinking of trying Kundalini, but you've been intimidated or you haven't known where to start, maybe this is your sign. And I really strongly believe that Guru Jagat is going to continue to inspire from the other side. She already is. I feel like we're communicating now and I'm really happy that we're re-releasing this episode. I want to thank her community and her friends and her family. I know that her legacy will live on and I'm just, I'm just, I'm very heartbroken And I'm recording this on August 3rd. So maybe by the time this comes out, there will be more clarity right now. I just feel like it's so hard and so sad to lose someone so young. But I know that there's a greater purpose in the universe. I really believe that. I don't know what it is. And I and I suppose we'll all see. So thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you to Guru Jagat for having come on the show in 2018. I remember being so excited when we recorded this. Like I said, check her out. Check her out on TikTok. Her Instagram is going to be continued by her Rama Institute community, I'm sure. So you can support the Rama Institute for Kundalini Yoga that she created. And beyond that, I want to thank our sponsors for today's show, Base, which is the base app that I have been using for all of my at-home lab testing to stay on top of my health and also Cured Nutrition, Code Blonde. And you can find the links for those in the show notes. It is such, oh, it is such a weird transition to go from wisdom from someone who's passed on to ending this episode. So I just want to end by saying thank you guys for being here. I'm not going to try to tie this up into a nice little bow because I don't know how at this point with just with the tragedy of losing Guru Jagat. And finally, finally, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for being such an amazing community. 
we can see the light and spread the light and everything. And that is what I feel inspired to do because we honestly never know. We never know how long or short our time on earth is going to be. And that's a huge potent reminder with the passing of today's guest. So thank you again for listening. I hope that it brought you some joy or some wise words, wisdom from Miss Guru Jagat herself. And we'll talk next week. I love you guys.